0: Hey, welcome to the 5-Day Reading Plan podcast. I am Lance Ward, and I will be walking us through some highlights of this week's readings. You can download a copy of this reading plan, by the way, in the description of this podcast, as you probably know, and you can also find it at 5daybiblereading.com. Well, it's week 40, and this week we read many chapters in Jeremiah. We read 11 through 20, 22, 23, 25, 26, 35, and 36. We also read Psalms 76, 77, and 133. We finished 2 Corinthians, and we moved on to the very practical book of James. As I mentioned at the close of last week's podcast, the Jeremiah readings are going to skip around a bit just to help us keep in sync with the timeline of events. This is because the book is not always written in a chronological fashion and can thus be a bit confusing if we read it in order. One commentator says that Jeremiah, quote, "...does not present an argument in any usual sense or a clear historical development, but seeks to achieve its objective by a kaleidoscopic look at a highly complex situation from a myriad of angles." Unquote. I'm grateful to those who put together this reading plan, since it helps us to grasp things in a better chronological sense in this context. For a guy like me who needs all the help he can get, this is gold." I hope it has helped you too, especially since reading the prophets requires a lot of attention and focus. As mentioned previously, the chief role of the prophets was to bring God's people back to the covenant and urge them to turn back to God's ways. Chapter 11, verses one through five, especially highlights this in the Lord's recounting of a past promise, where he says, obey me and do everything that I command you, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. If God's people had done this, There would be no need for the prophets, but they had not, and so there was. And as we can see in the sad and graphic language of this prophet, not only had they disregarded God, but they had done so repeatedly, bringing on his righteous wrath, though he had given them countless chances to return. I especially raised an eyebrow at 25, verse 6, where God says, You have left me, you have turned back, and I am tired of showing compassion. Ouch! We see another example of this compassion that he tries to extend, met again by obstinance in chapter 18, verses 11 and 12. And since Jeremiah is God's mouthpiece for all of this, those he speaks to take it out on the messenger. And this faithful prophet is treated very badly, and he laments very deeply. Like any faithful servant of God, Jeremiah would one day see an eternal reward but what the Lord called him to on earth is quite troubling. And yet this mirrors what Jesus would say about those who cling tightly to him when he spoke of this on the Sermon on the Mount. When we cling to Christ and proclaim his good news, it will sometimes be met with hatred, though it goes forth in love. In short, steadfast obedience to God in a world saturated by the lies of the enemy will naturally bring opposition. And so we must set our sights on eternal things. In such hard times, the Psalms are always there for our comfort and confidence. Psalm 76 is one such Psalm, turning our attention to the might and majesty of our God. He is powerful, shattering the weapons of war which come up against Him. He is resplendent and majestic, coming down from the mountains. When He is angry, no one can stand before Him. He is awe-inspiring, yet He delights to save the lowly. Psalm 77, though written by Asaph, could have easily been penned by Jeremiah as it is saturated with lament before entering into praise. In Asaph's pain, he chooses to remember and meditate on what God has done in the past so that he can be assured of a certain future. In light of that, one of the things I think is that sometimes all we can do is go to God's history Sometimes when all we can see before us is darkness, it helps us to look back at times when God's people lived in darkness but then experienced God's rescue. In short, we must be familiar with God's history with His own, for there will be days when such history is all we can bank on to have any semblance of hope. One of Paul's most alarming yet comforting passages is contained in 2 Corinthians 12. Though we don't know the specifics of Paul's so-called thorn in the flesh, we do know that his thorn was very hard on him, difficult enough that he pled three times for the Lord to remove it. Curiously, the Lord did not give Paul what he wanted, and yet he gave Paul something better, something that would increase his impact and thus his eternal reward when he said, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness." There are times when God plucks us out of painful and hard situations, and there are also times when he keeps us right where we are and just gives us the grace to lean on him. So Paul's conclusion in this situation, in contrast to the ones who had come in and slandered his name to the Corinthians, boasting in their strength, Paul says, I will boast in my weaknesses, for when I am weak, then I'm really strong. This is one paradox of Christian living, isn't it? At times when we are weak and humbled, such are times when God may use us mightily for His own kingdom purposes. We rounded out this week's reading in James chapters 1 through 3. Anyone who has been in the church for any decent length of time has probably heard this book taught in sermons or Sunday school or both, and for good reason. James is a very practical book with deep convictions and solid exhortations at every turn. It is also a book which seems to be showing us through and through what real faith looks like. Real faith does not give up when there are trials. It counts it joy. It trusts that God is using such trials to build our faith and strengthen our souls. Real faith doesn't just read God's Word. Real faith applies God's Word. Real faith isn't simply mere words or claims, but a producer of action— And real faith does not produce bragging or pride. It it isn't bitter or selfish. It brings forth gentleness, wisdom, and good fruit. James is a book I would label as simple but not easy. It's not hard to understand, but it is deeply convicting and sometimes hard and challenging to apply. Every time I read this short little five-chapter book, I have come away with some sort of serious self-reflection. I hope it has the same effect on you as you read. Speaking of that, that's the end of this week's podcast. And next week, we will finish James and we'll move on to 1 Peter. In the Old Testament, we'll read more of Jeremiah all the way down to chapter 39. And we'll also go back in history of that time and read 2 Kings 24 and 25 and 2 Chronicles 36. And in the Psalms, we'll read Psalm 79 and Psalm 126 I look forward to seeing you next week. So have a great week in reading next week's texts and keep walking with God.